we are uh, th- just this was not by any uh, plan whatsoever but I asked you how long you two had been doing your business together and the answer was 46 years uh-huh. correct yeah so this is episode 46 yes it <laughs> so, is <laughs> that's just by sheer luck but we are in episode 46 and with that I'm gonna let Denise introduce the two of you Yes, welcome. Um, episode 46 of Creative Moonlighting. Um, we are so honored to have Kent and Virla Olberg, I said that correctly, right? Um, on the podcast today. Um, we're going to get to hear uh, from both of them and, and hear your stories, but uh, I want to give a proper introduction because I think this episode warrants a, a very proper one. We had to do research for this episode. Yes, we followed your, we followed your lead on, in doing extensive research. So um, I'll give just a, a, a snippet of it and then um, hopefully both of you can elaborate on um, the research that we've done. So Ken Olberg is recognized as one of the world's foremost wild life sculptors. Um, You studied at the Swedish University College of Art in Stockholm. Um, We're going to hear about how you worked at museums in Germany. Um, Maybe we'll hear a little bit more about the Netherlands, France, definitely about Africa and Denver, right? And after living in Botswana um, for seven years, you made your way to Denver. Um, And then also the whole reason why we get to have the privilege of talking with you is because you now live on Padre Island. Um, You've lived here for many, many years. And the reason why our paths cross is because Shirley, Matthew's mom, um, was your son's teacher. And so we'll hopefully get to hear um, more about that as well. Um, I could go probably spend 30 minutes naming all of the numerous art organizations and honors that you have received. Um, I'll say just a couple of them. Um, In 1990, you were elected um, a full-time, how do I say this, academician? Mm -hmm. National academician. Academician. Okay. National. Um, Making New York City. You the first wildlife artist since John James Audubon to receive one of the greatest tributes in American art. Um, And then a selection of your memberships include the National Sculpture Society, the American Society of Marine Art, the Allied Artist of America, Nature in Art. Um, and then I, I could keep going National Academy of Western Art, um, all of the things. Right. And in 2010, you received the Briscoe Legacy Award. And in 2016, the Lifetime Achievement Award from the Society of Animal Artists. Woo, that is a, a long, um, a long uh, list of accolades. So um, we are just excited to hear about Gosh, your whole journey. I think another piece that we didn't get to share with you yet is we're very early on in our partnership as a husband and wife team um, running Griffin Co. Productions. Well, we've been married 20 years. We've been married oh. 20 years, but we have just in the past two years really formally started our own business. And we want to learn from the two of you as well to understand how you've been able to make it work for 46 years and... So I hope you last another 20 years. Yes. yes. Men and 26 at least, yeah. right? <laughs> so um so welcome to the both of you and um let's let's get into talking. Yeah, I I think maybe a a good way to start would be because of the fact that it is so interesting to us that that you two have done what we want to be able to look back and say we could do was build a a career together. We love 
working together. We love, and she has strengths that I don't have. I have qualities she doesn't have. I don't know if they're strengths, but we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe we can start with how you met and then we'll, we'll circle back to some of the, the previous history of, of what, where you were in, in Africa and all of those things. But, uh, Kenton Virla, how did you first meet? <laughs> well, I had a friend from Finland, and he played accordion, and I played a violin, and we used to play Scandinavian folk music together. And uh, we were at the Swedish, at the Scandinavian Folklife Festival in Denver. And I had a girlfriend with me, and uh, Virla was there. Uh, of course, the, uh, there was a neighbor they lived as neighbors, basically, and uh, Tuvela in Denver. And um, then they set me up. They invited me to a party the neighbor did, just a couple of houses away from Vela. And I said, okay, I'll bring a girl. No, no, you don't need to. There's plenty of girls here. And uh, I met Vela. And uh, I was enchanted because, first of all, she spoke German and French and, you know, and English too, damn it, and Dutch. <laughs> and, and so we start talking and we had a good time together talking. And one of the really crazy things, this sounds really crazy, <clears throat> but all of a sudden she said, now, how did you get there? How did you get here? In your snekka? Well, hell, snekka, it's a dialect speech on my island in the North Sea that I come from. I never heard it anywhere else, but it means a double-ended boat, basically Viking ship, you know? And I said, how the hell do you know that? Well, it so happens it's a dialectal thing in, on, no, on a river. It's a real word. It's yeah, not it's dialect, real, it's no, actually yeah, real word, a snack, yeah. yeah. I mean, snacka is a real word in Swedish too, but it means a seashell, you know? Mm. So. Uh, so, you know, but I had a little double-ended boat that I sailed and rowed, you know, and fished with. I had my lobster traps and stuff, and, and everybody called it the snacker. Take your snacker and go there, Grandpa said. Take snacker, there are lobsters, you know, and stuff. So, so you know. So uh, hearing her, her connect to that quickly. <laughs> yeah, that was bloody weird. And then, and then uh, since I heard, you know, that she was from Plunder and stuff, and I worked for a short while. I studied in Holland a bit. And I worked in a museum really close to Flandern. And, and I told her, do you know what, what was it called again? Slatje? <laughs> yes. Okay. Do you know what Slatje is? She said, yes. It was a bar in that little bitty town. And they, we drank there after, after work, after studying. And they had a f- salad, a free salad that you get with your drinks. <laughs> kind with of your a beer, potato salad. With your beer. Yeah. And they call it slatje. And she said, oh, yes, I can make some slatje. <laughs> Come and visit. And the, the, the rest is almost history. You, <laughs> you were together ever since then. Yeah. Pretty much. She yeah. had to get rid of some girlfriends. But, uh... <laughs> I had to clear the, clear the anatomy table, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now that okay so it, and, that, and that was in Denver right that this was is in Denver, Denver. Yeah. Was and for Denver. both of you so just just to clarify what part of Sweden are you from Kent I'm from the west coast okay from Gothenburg and my dad was in Gothenburg my mom was from a little fishing village in the North Sea called Grunsund 
And I loved Grundsund. And in fact, my mom was so busy in art school and stuff that I was raised to a large extent by my grandma in Grundsund. And I loved her. Anna was her name. Whenever I had a boat, it was called Anna. Oh, that's oh, yes, I, I knew that. that. Yes, oh, yes, yes. I loved my grandma. She was fantastic. She spoiled them rotten. No, <laughs> she did not. <laughs> no, she drove me. I mean, I did all the work because I loved her. No, I, she didn't spoil me at all. No. Ah, that's See? why you love me so much. <laughs> I don't spoil you either. <laughs> now, Beardo, what part? Uh, you're, it's Belgium, northern Belgium. Flanders. Right? Okay. Flanders. I'm from East Flanders. Okay. I went to university <clears throat> in Ghent. And um, I came to America. And what year did you come to America? Uh, that was in 66. And you two met in... Seven, in Denver. In we met uh, 70, 78. No. So, no, we met in 77. Uh, we got married in 78. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I was a widow at the time. And I had two boys, two little boys. And the youngest was, at that point, six. Okay. Five or six. Five, I think. Yeah, Girl. yeah. And, um, well, he loves to play with toys. So the boys just ride away. And whenever he came to visit, they'd go to a toy store and start buying all sorts of stuff. We had fun stuff. playing together, you know, and spending time together. I mean, I love the boys, yeah. you know. And once in a while, they'd say, you had this flyer that was going, and, hey, Kent, let me, let me play with it before you break it. <laughs> <laughs> I bought them toys, too. Yeah. They could play with on their own. Yeah. Yeah. So then one year... Um, my birthday was coming up, and we were all sitting in the kitchen, and then Ken says, I really don't know what to give you for your birthday. Well, I didn't say anything. So the little one, Gerald, he crawls up on his lap, and he says, Kent, why don't you marry my mom? Uh, and yeah. he almost dropped the kid. Because no, <laughs> he did not. He had no, he no. Had no plans. Oh, you know, no, that I way. had no plans of getting married. Married, no. you know. I didn't think artists should be married, you know. <laughs> and that's what my dad told me. Artists should never be married. Mom and him, they had a, quite a difficult marriage, you know, because they were both kind of artists. My dad was a musician and a plain air painter. And, uh, and my mom was a textile artist, mostly. But, but so I had no real plans, you know, and I was still doing my anatomy research and stuff too, but... <laughs> Um, <laughs> right. But key, key, anatomy research. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh -huh. and, uh, and so, you know, but then when Gerald whispered that to me, it just my, grabbed my heart. You know, and I loved the kids. I mean, they were fun to be with and stuff. And it, I just knew I had to, especially since I was proposed to by her son. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, you know, we, we had a great time together. And later, you know, uh, and I adopted the boys, adopted of course, boys, you know, yeah. right away. And later, just just for fun, you know, remember when they took us to the courthouse? Oh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, you adopted them. Yeah, I adopted yeah. them, I yeah. adopted them. Right. But they remember they took us to the courthouse much later, and they said, by the way, listen to this. And they had, they had also taken my name. You know, uh, well, yeah, not just the last name, but also part of the first name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's similar to um, 
Katie to our yeah. sister-in-law to Matthew's sister, Katie, uh-huh. her husband adopted her oh, son early okay. also. So yeah. he's a Beseda and that means the world to, to Weston well, and, to the family, and to Owen. So, and to Owen. And to Owen. Yeah. Well, of course it means a lot. Yeah. 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 Because I think when he had a, uh, you know, a different name. It was uh, now I got to answer questions about why my name's different from my brother's name. And oh, yeah. Now well, he doesn't have to answer those questions. Right. I always right. had that go- growing up. My mom got remarried when I was four and my my last name was Amagon and my mom's married name was Litz. Oh. Litz. Litz. Yeah. So German. German. Yeah. And oh. so here I am. I, I definitely don't look German, you know, like it, no. they know. And so, um, I always struggled with that growing up was not having the same name as my dad, who really was the dad that raised me. That's mm. the person that I think has one of the biggest influences on my life. So I think that's a very special thing mm. to be able to mm. yeah. say that you're, but the kids, they volunteered for that. They pulled that off on their own. You know. Well, no, they couldn't. I mean, the well, judge, no, the mean, judge but, had to. You know, they <laughs> yeah. asked the judge yeah. for it. You yeah. know, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Him and uh, yeah. Yeah. So you guys came to Denver. You met in Denver, but I'm curious to hear about how you got to Denver yeah. and kind of what happened. What happened prior um, to to get you to the states? Well, like I said, you know, um, I lived in Africa. You said that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and how'd you end up in Africa? Well, it's a long story. I went to art school in Stockholm. And at the time, it was in the 60s. You were not allowed to do realism at all. It had to be totally abstract, minimalist. After you had the first classical training, you know, we were trained sculpting from models, from nude models, no less, which was great. And <laughs> that's your research on anatomy. Yeah, that started. But then after that, we were supposed to do our own thing. And of course, I sculpted nature. I grew up in a fishing village and I spent time in the North Sea in the summers, sorting fish and stuff, looking at birds. And, and, uh, and when I sculpted something like that, I sculpted a bear, I remember. My teacher said, what the hell is this? You're supposed to do your own thing. It is my own thing, sir. He said, you never make a living as a sculpting animals. And it's not the language of our time. And, and I was a poor kid from a fishing village, so I believed him. So I went the museum route, and I become an assistant in the National History Museum of Stockholm, the National Museum. And I learned taxidermy and modern taxidermists. They are sculptors. You know, you sculpt an animal with all the details and everything. You make a mold, you cast it, and then you glue the skin to it. So you have to be, and that was really invented actually by an American called Akeley. Great American, I admired him tremendously. And then I went to Germany and studied there, and I got the diploma in, in Germany, and I worked in Museum Orléans, south of Paris. But when I was in Europe, somebody told me about the people in Africa, in Botswana, needed somebody who had museum background, who had taxidermy background. and. I I was ready to jump in like crazy because I grew up reading Hemingway in Swedish. I was crazy about Hemingway and and I I loved him and and Africa for some wildlife man like me, Africa was a dream, you know. So I I responded and then they told me to come to London for an interview. So I took a boat across to London and I practiced English like crazy. I mean, I was fluent in German because I had to 
take my exams in German, but English wasn't that good. You learned English in school, in secondary school and in high school. But, and, uh, and so uh, I got an interview. Guy flew up and interviewed me. And somehow I managed to bloody convince him. I don't know how I did it. And then they sent me a ticket to come to Botswana. And it was great. And I worked. So you had to learn to speak English in Africa. They speak English there yes, too because it's yes, British, right? Yes, yeah. yes, okay, exactly, okay. exactly. They speak Setswana and English. And I learned to speak Setswana too, reasonably, you know. Kalebala Yanung. I forget nowadays, but, you know. And um, so, and then I worked in the safari industry and uh, they knew I spoke German. So I got to guide German clients, German people. So I almost got to live like Hemingway dream, you know, hunting and, and stuff. And then Botswana's chief game warden, Alec Campbell, director of wildlife and national parks. He knew, he found out that I had a museum background. And so he was building the new national museum in Botswana and I got hired. And then I built several dioramas, painted murals and stuff like that. And and uh, him and I got, uh, got along real well. We become really good friends. And, and uh, then the Denver Museum of Nature and Science came an expedition. They were building an African hall, a large hall exhibit, brand new. And uh, so I got, I became their host, you know, I became their guide. And of course they had to kill dangerous animals to get to bring back and stuff. And I had to do it for them, make sure, you know, protect them and, and kill the dangerous animals and buffalo and everything and lions. And uh, when and we spent weeks together in the bush around campfires and drinking and stuff. And I really got to like Americans. Hey, they're easygoing guys, you know. Were they? <laughs> yeah, they were fun, you know, compared to... Germans, Deutsch, yeah, yeah, and Swedes too are serious. No, is, I, I'm kidding in a way. But, you know. Is that typical of if you are in, if, if you're in museum studies or you're, that's your career, but you're hunting, was it just because you were in Africa that that was part of the job? Or like if you're in Colorado and you work in the museum there and you're in charge of the dioramas, would they hunt? there too they would but but uh, normally uh, they can get them from other people too okay i didn't do any hunting in colorado to speak of you know exactly no and uh, it just I, happened I because it, you were in africa yeah i took it exactly like a research you know okay yeah absolutely but anyway so i had a good time with them and when i was they're ready when they went back to the u.s they bought me a ticket to visit denver it was a denver museum and uh, in fact, the guy who owned Denver Broncos, a wealthy man, oh, wow. uh, gave me the tickets. And so I flew to the U.S. for the first time in my life. I ended up in Denver. From Africa? From Africa to Denver. Wow. Boom, boom. And, and uh, they took me up in the mountains to cowboy bars with sawdust on the floor. <laughs> And, and I, you know, I, I remember I told you I was enamored by the Wild West. Yep. In our fishing village, one lady had a little black television. We watched Western, everybody congregated around it and watched Western movies and, and stuff. Then they took me to Buffalo Bill's grave. And then they took me to Lookout Mountain with the bison herd. Mm -hmm. I really got excited. And then when I'm ready to go back to Africa, 
they offered me the job to supervise the building of the African exhibit. In Denver? Uh, in Denver. And the reason I did that, actually, I mean, I felt great responsibility about Botswana, too. Um, but in the meantime, the Western art movement was underway, and I've always sculpted on the side. You know, I did portrait commissions. I sculpted Botswana's president. You know, I did all sorts of sculpting all the time, and I had lots of sculptors with me when I moved to the U.S., you know. But, for the, but I couldn't make a living in Europe, you know. But the Western art movement was underway. Hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, you could... Nat naturalists. Yes. And wildlife you can, art. You can exhibit bison and whatever, you know, and cowboys. How and, many years from the time, or just even as a guess, how many years from the time you were told you can't make a living as a realist artist in Sweden to the time where you realized you could make your living as a potentially make your living as a wildlife artist in yeah. America. Well, I came here. Let's see. When did I come to the U S now in 74, I came to the U S and of course I went to art school in, in, uh, in 60, 45, 55, you know, in the 50s, 60s, you know, when when realism was not allowed at all. So it had been probably 15 yeah. years? Oh, at least. That you had to sit with a teacher telling you that you couldn't make a living this way before yeah. you got the chance to, Absolutely. oh, maybe there is. And then after two years in the museum, uh, I jumped off the bridge and quit the best paid job I ever had, you know. Um, had you already become an American citizen at that point? Yeah. 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 So you had worked here in the yeah. States? No, no, I wasn't American no, citizen. No, we were I, married. Yeah, when... I, I had a work permit. Okay, America. okay. Yeah, yeah, right, right. But um, I just want to tell you too, though, I did not abandon my museum in Botswana. I talked to the Swedish embassy and they forwarded money to hire some of my old colleagues in a museum in, in, in Stockholm. Oh. One lady and one guy. That you knew? That I knew, they were great. And my colleague, you know, who was a taxidermist. And so I let them take over, you know, I didn't abandon. So they were in good hands? Oh yeah, they were in good hands. And I was in good hands. And then I, I met a great sculptor, George Carlson, a man I admire tremendously. He's both painter and sculptor. And he took me to the Cabo Hall of Fame and there had a, they had now the Western art movement underway, hmm. you know. And I sold two sculptures. I, felt, I knew I could probably make a living sculpting. What were they? Uh, one was, uh, well, let's see. Uh, one was a bison and one was an elk. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, then I also showed like a slightly semi-abstract figurative of two an embrace as well, people, you know, but, but it was realistic, but semi-abstract, you know. So this abstract versus realism thing has been a, a recurring theme in your, in your life as an artist, it seems yeah. like. Well, and then of course, fashion's always changed in the art world, mm -hmm. you know, then you got postmodernism, And in fact, the biggest wake up, the biggest thing that happened to me, I was at the National Sculpture Society in New York City. I, I exhibited there and I won awards there and stuff. 
And one time, a very famous um, architect, Philip Johnson, very famous. And he had, in fact, designed uh, the Corpus Christi Art Museum. But, you know, that's before I went to Corpus Christi. And he was known. We, in fact, we studied him when I was in art school. And he was known for his modernism. And he was given an award by National Capital Society, Henry Hearing Medal, which, by the way, I won as well a couple of times later. But, and in his speech, here's the Philip Johnson, the father of modernism. He said, I sat there. He said, while the wheel of art comes full circle, and, and this wheel has turned full circle, and was once archaic is now the avant-garde. Mm -hmm. Being, boy, being I, realism I, I, and, and yes, yes. Yes, exactly. I almost fell off the chair. Hmm. And That's wild. I mean, that yeah, is, that is yeah, really, really. Yeah. Did it and force other people? Was it a, did that build momentum for people to make the jump if they hadn't made the jump if yet? They, if they wanted to. I mean, both existed together, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And, and, and I was to say one thing. I'm grateful for abstraction too. I mean, a lot of people, they look at my stuff and see, first of all, I see it's a heron or it's this and that. But there is abstract content in mm -hmm. it. I, I, I noticed just that. nature to, to my wishes, you know, but stay within the anatomy, mm -hmm. with wings and whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. But I like to have sort of an abstract feel. So that I'm grateful to my teacher too in Stockholm. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I'm going to take a quick jump here about my teacher in Stockholm. I had, there was one Swedish sculptor who was very, very famous, and he was famous in the US too, Carl Millis. Yes. Okay, we do yeah. know that name. Yeah. And he, when he died, he donated his whole enormous sculpture park of collections, classical and his own, and his studio and everything to the Swedish government. And he's one of the most popular museums in Stockholm. And I used to go there and dream, because he did realism, you know. And I used to, and, and there was still Plaster of Paris on the floor in his studio. He just died in the early 60s. And, and I sat there dreaming, you know. And then many, many years later, how long ago was that, honey, now? That you had your show? Yeah. That was in 16. 2016. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one. Uh -huh. Exactly. 16. Yeah. I had a show there retrospective exhibition there. And it was so powerful. You know, when I sat and dreamt there, and who turns up at, <laughs> at the reception? But my professor, oh, wow. and he was just as intimidating as ever, really tall, he was over six foot tall, six foot three or so. Oh, yeah. And he had a black suit on. And he came up and I said, oh, I was right back in Austin. Hello, doctor. Hello, hello. <laughs> no, he's exaggerating. Oh, 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 oh. And, and, and he said, congratulations. You know, he was proud of me. I'm proud of you, he said. This and is God, the one that told you about the bear. No. Yeah. No, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. This uh -huh. one told me I could never make a living as yeah. a sculptor. You know, it wasn't the language of the time. But he was right in a way. It was not the language of the time. Mm -hmm. You know, and in the end. He pointed me in the right direction. I got to Africa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's probably, yeah. if, if, if you had thought that you could 
just go on the path that you had been on, you wouldn't have maybe gone to Africa and you may not have ended up in America. No, no, no probably exactly. not. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and I could never make a living on sculpting, you know. And it's not even easy today in, in Sweden and stuff, but in Europe. But uh, we, I've had exhibitions. We do manage. <laughs> I've had a few exhibitions in Spain. Now, I want to tell you, you know, when I first met Vela, um, she was so skillful. I mean, she worked as a secretary in Belgium. So she could type. It was typing in those days, you know. And she typed in French, English, and, and Dutch, German. German, everywhere. And so, you know, when I had a, when I had a show at Centre Pompidou in Paris, she took care of it all by writing in French, you know, oh, yeah. you know. <laughs> and and in Germany, I had exhibitions, and in Switzerland, Luxembourg, Luxembourg, Luxembourg. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And uh, and so that kind of gave me a hint. Maybe I ought to keep. Her. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is such a good. It's a good crossover point too, yeah. because well, the first time I ever met Denise when we were twelve. I had I I had heard her name before Denise Amagon. I'd heard it on the announcements because she always was winning, uh, oh. like science fair, <laughs> and she would win all these awards. So I would hear it. I never had a face with the name, but I heard right. it. I knew the name. <laughs> and my mom came home one day and said, "I have we did a typing test in class, and I have this kid that can type seventy five words a minute." And I didn't. I didn't even know what that even meant. No. But and I said, "Who is it?" And she goes, "Denise Amagon." I said, "Oh, that girl. She's always winning everything. She's you know." <laughs> so, so I then I meet her and I find out she liked me. Oh. Wow! And I said, "Well, I heard you type seventy-five words a minute, you know." And she says, "Yeah." And then from you know, uh, it was it wasn't necessarily history after that, but yeah. we we dated every year, and that it was, was always learning the, the the typing yeah. and the skills that you talk and about. That you discovered she had other talents too. On top of yeah. that, she was yeah. easy yeah. to look at. Yeah. That too, that too, that too, that too. <laughs> Typing is the sign of a keeper, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. absolutely. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, no, I can't right. type in all, a bunch of different languages, though. Only uh, one. Well, so. well, you know. Well, now, Virla, so, okay, so now we know, and, and again, this is kind of a little out of order, but I, I, I kind of don't mind that. If we go back, what brought you over to America and, and to Denver, I suppose? Okay, well, I married an American while I was in Belgium. He was one of my bosses. Okay. You know. <laughs> she made a move. <laughs> so did he. So, <laughs> anyway, we got married. And uh, so Robert then was born in Belgium, but then we, he, had, he was called back. He worked for... Um, like a, uh, what they call it, incubator company. They made incubators and hatchers, mm -hmm. and he was traveling all over the world. And um, so anyway, ended up, we got married, and then he was called back to America. So uh, Robert was nine months old when we moved here. Okay. And... Uh, that's how I saw Denver for the first time. You oh, know, we landed Denver in Denver. Okay. He was from Denver. In fact, his some of his forefathers were part of the first people in in Denver. That's settled. The, yeah. the settled Denver. Okay. It wasn't called Denver at that time. It was Saint something. Hmm. And um, anyway, Saint Charles, I think. And um, so anyway, and then, but he died of cancer. 
and that's an after a little while after that. I then met, you met Ken. Yeah. Met Ken. Yeah. 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 Now back in Belgium, if I read this right, or if we read this right, uh, you you had some connection to art, to art as well. Oh, my dad. <laughs> yeah, my dad was a professor, and. Um, they were great in the arts and my mom and dad both but uh, my dad he started his own school uh, language schools he had three at the time he died he had three language schools and um, so basically yeah the arts was a very big thing he wrote articles um, about shows and stuff you know mm -hmm. talking about the artists and that's all I've ever heard at home about philosophers and artists and yeah. we had a lot in the house too you know so um yeah they they went to my show in paris yeah they came to the in i yeah, read the story i read the story yeah, that's a good story over here you should tell yeah. that i read that <laughs> You met him for the first time in Paris? Oh, no, that no. was in in uh, Sweden. They yes. went to Sweden okay. for That's his right. show I there. Had a big show in Sweden. And, and we were just married, I think, yeah, at the just time. Got married. So I didn't go, and he, you know. But no. you had never met him at this no. point. No, no, no. <laughs> and they, and then uh, I booked him in the top hotel in Gothenburg, Rubinen. my hometown. Rubinen. Rubinen. And I and I I sat in the bar waiting for them. We're gonna <laughs> drive up from Belgium. I said, they're waiting, oh, yeah, 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 I'm more and more nervous, you know, they're not going to approve of me. I don't know, were we married yet? I guess yeah, just, we were married. just married. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, they hadn't met and, you and yet. And he's going to judge my show too, my work and me. Together. And finally, finally, yeah. I, finally, I had to get some courage. So I got a huge glass of beer, you know, <laughs> one of the really massive ones. And I start drinking and drinking, and all of a sudden I hear a voice, Herr Olberg, is that Z? <laughs> is that you, Herr Olberg? Oh, I spilled beer all over oh, me. No, oh, you're dead. No, no, that's there, over there. That was the first. That was the first impression. Well, I spilled some beer. I did that. Yeah, but you yeah. do that anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a great visit. They were great, and I, I took him out, you know, to to the in fishing village and. And, and they approved of the work. Oh, they fell in love with him. Yeah. And uh, and uh, they f they really approved of the work too. And they were yeah. very kind. That's a good feeling. Yeah. 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 That's a relief, I'm sure. So are they really a relief? They drove up with with uh, him and and of course his wife, Bill's mom, and, and uh, my aunt and the aunt, Madeleine, Madeleine, Tant Madeleine, yeah. and then a driver too, driving lady. Oh, Nicole. Nicole, yeah. 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 And uh, and so it was. It was really shocking for me, but it was great. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. a good visit. Her dad was uh, was friendly, you know. He was, he, but he was also professor-like, you know. Yeah. My mom always <laughs> said uh, that he was a fatherly professor and professor-like father. Yeah. So. Oh. <laughs> So I have a question about um, we looked through or we read the, the pages out of this book. It's so beautiful. It's called Sculpture, right? Yeah. And um, so one of the through lines that I saw in both of the books was that this idea, and you mentioned it, about kind of partnership. 
So um, this particular book, Sculpture, is um, almost it was a joint show with Lars Johnson. Lars Johnson. Is that right? And then you mentioned that when you left Botswana, you had um, people from your your colleagues from Sweden. You made sure to kind of pass that along. Right. So um, it seems like there's a through line of you support one another as Swedish, in this case, Swedish artist, right? Or, or yeah. in the yeah. field of it. Um, yeah. And so I wonder about just how that has been a through line in your life of creating just community. How, yeah. Community or partnership with um, colleagues. Mm-hmm. And then even with Virla, right. As a partnership in marriage too, yeah. to help you um, be successful. Yeah. Well, for one thing, uh, Bella eased a lot of my burden because she took care of the business side. She jumped in even before we were married, you know, and uh, she handled the correspondence to Europe and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, uh, then when we got married and stuff and and, uh, she we moved here to Texas, she took care of the whole business side, you know, uh, wrote correspondence, paid the bills Mm -hmm. and all that stuff, you know. So somebody's got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And sounds uh, very I'm, familiar. <laughs> uh, I'm grateful for that. Absolutely. And he you know. got mesmerized with my typing. I couldn't understand that. That's right. And, type, and he just sit there and watch it. And I'm, it must yeah. have done something to him. You know, so. <laughs> you don't know what she's typing, though, if it's in too oh, many different oh, languages. Well, he knew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he knew. Yeah, yeah. But it was just that movement and the Tick, 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 you know, and the, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that is a bit mesmerizing. We had a lot in common. With the computer, you don't hear those things anymore, yeah. you know, but back then, yeah, yeah. We had a lot in common, though. For one thing, Bill played the piano, and I played the violin and guitar. I, my, my dad, you know, was a musician, too. He had a dance band. In fact, he played at the fun fair, and my mom was in art school, and she worked in the fun fair. And I met that one night, and she got pregnant with me. Oh, in one night? <laughs> well, they're oh, not, they're not no, it only took 10 minutes. <laughs> it was almost, almost, yeah. <laughs> not quite, but almost, you know. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> so, you know, they had a conflict in marriage, but they had, you know, we had have a brother and a sister in Sweden, too, you know. And we are close and stuff yeah. like that. You know, yeah. they're great people. Yeah. Yeah. And then your partnership with Lars Johnson, um, kind of how did that come about? Because I know this book and, and people listening need to look at this beautiful book. It's, it's just called Ken Olberg's sculpture, um, uh, describes a very special exhibition that you had with a longtime partner. Right. And so maybe you could share a little bit about that and kind of what the journey was to get there. Okay. Well, um, when I was in the museum, Natural History in Stockholm, uh, I became chief taxidermist actually just before I left. And um, my professor there took me upstairs and he showed me an exhibition of drawings. And he said, do you believe this is done by 15 year olds? I said, no bloody way ever. There was Lars Johnson. He was a genius, a real true genius. Still is. And he wrote, he wrote the bird books. He illustrated them himself and wrote them, Birds of Europe and North Africa. And, uh, and he's also a great, great painter and mm-hmm. draftsman. And, uh, and uh, 
I didn't meet Lars then. I don't. I might have met him at the Venissage, but I don't really remember. But Lars is very tall. He's about seven foot tall. Yeah, seven almost, feet. Almost close to close it, and so's his wife. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. He's almost <laughs> seven tall. feet. Well, no, I'm no, exaggerating a little she's bit. She's about six foot four or something. Yeah. 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 That's still. Oh my the, the, the that is so Viking, tall. The real Vikings are from Gotland. Oh, you know. Wow. Yeah. And. Uh, but then you know later he came to the U.S. and painted American birds, and of course he. Stayed with us, you know, and and become very close, you know, and and then Reinhild, his wife, and we become close too, you know, and it so happens that her birthday, her name's day in Sweden, we have a name for each day that you're honored for your name, oh. Scandinavian name. There's and, a saint for every day. Oh mm. wow! And yeah. Reinhild is right on my birthday. And my first love in, in Grunsund, in the fishing village, her name was Ragnhild, you know. So I have a special connection to Ragnhild. Oh, and, nice. And they have several kids and stuff now, you know, I mean. And they're grown too. They're grown too, wow. you know. And, but, uh, yeah, I've been very close with Lars. So know. he was, um, was he... Uh, leading, directing this um, museum? No. He took no, over no, the... No. Okay. No, not at all. He had an exhibition there before. Okay. And he okay. knew the people. Okay. And, uh, and you know, he had the contacts. And he used to want to introduce me to the director. And uh, without him, it would have been harder to have a show, mm -hmm. you know. Of course, yeah. I think I saw... Uh, we got to see a, a bit of the interview, or I guess it was just a taping of, of you and Lars talking. The two of you. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. yeah. And something that came up in that was the idea that you spent a lot of time as a kid looking at, at birds and oh, nature. Yeah. And oh. um, you, you both agreed on something about uh, confidence or actually lack of confidence and how that was a way to... I don't, I don't know. It was a way to escape whatever, you know, uh, regular school stuff that, you know, you could go off and you could look at nature. Yes. So you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I was very insecure, actually. And uh, I thought, you know, I looked like hell. I had too big a nose and, and I was teased in school for my nose and, and uh, everything. And, and, you know, but when I'm in nature, I felt at home. I felt quite happy, you know. I mean, go out and lay in the woods and lay down and listen to the birds and watch the birds. And, and you know, to me, it was just the closeness, the healing. You know, I didn't think of it like that as a young man, you know, but I realized that's what it was, you know. Yeah. And then at first, Roger Tory Peterson, who was the pre-runner to Lars Jonsson, you know, he wrote The Birds of Europe and it came out in Swedish when I was 12 years old. And I bought it with a, I got some lobsters from my trap and I sold the lobsters and I got to buy the book. And, and Roger, and that made me dream out of the fishing village too and even dream out of Sweden too, you know, because it's North Africa as well and stuff. And Roger became my big hero, you know. And Roger came here and visited. We went in my boat and look at birds and yeah you know. there was a story about a, a bird you saw underneath the causeway yeah oh yeah Once, can you yeah. tell that oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> first time roger and i went under the causeway uh, roger said there should be some peregrines here it's migration time i said well i haven't seen any roger and then as we drove this is god's truth as we drove under the causeway 
down floats a feather. And he said, oh, it's a marble godwit. He knew right away what feather it was. And we looked up and bloody hell, there was a, there was a peregrine plucking a godwit, you know. <laughs> so you saw before you even got out of the... <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, so Roger... He, the bird sent a message to Roger. <laughs> no. Yeah, he was connected. He he dialed in on something. With, yeah. And then Roger wrote the foreword in my book. I saw that. Yeah. 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 Beautiful I was so forward. honored, you know. Yeah. yeah. And when Roger died, I did his memorial sculpture. Mm-hmm. And his favorite bird was the king penguin. Okay. And he did a lot of expeditions to 16, the Antarctic. He did. 16, huh? right? 16 trips to the... Oh, no, 16. Six, yeah. 16, 16 trips, trips he made to the Antarctica. 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 Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. It was his favorite, you know, and... and um, so I thought I sculpted monumental part of, of that, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I put a chick on his feet. And I call it king. He's a king penguin and king of birders and heir. Yeah. He's there sitting on his feet. Oh, <laughs> how beautiful. You do that. That's a through line in a lot of your work, right? Where it's um, it's revealing something current, but always looking to the future or always kind of being optimistic towards opportunity. It seemed like that in some of the pieces that I was looking at, it was like this um, both ends of let's shed light on what's really happening, but let's try to be positive and Well, the spirit of Nebraska was that to me. It was, you know, um, that just the, the thought, you know, I love history. I, love, I taught Texas history for 15 years and, wow. and which is essentially teaching the Great Plains. That's really what you're, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think I put it together in just looking at I'd seen the piece before. Or I'd seen that city block. And I actually oh, did saw you it. see it in real life? No, no. I, uh, I'd only, and I'd like to see it in yeah, real life. Yeah. But, mm. but I'd, I think the first time I actually saw it was in a movie called Up in the Air with George Clooney. Oh, oh. yes. And, and you walked by there. Yeah. And, yes. and my mom see. pointed out, Ken did that. Ken did that. Yeah. And, and I thought, wow. That, and then I started looking. I thought, what, he, what would make him run, have him running through the walls like that? And... But the, in reading and uh, yeah, the the spirit of it is we can build as many buildings and take away the old natural version as much as we want. But the positive side of it, like you said, is the spirit's there. It's yeah. there. Yeah. Is that true or am yeah, I is interpreting that a thing or is that how we it? Am I interpreting it? Yeah. it? Well, we interpret. Yeah, that that's what I thought. You know, the spirit is still there because mm-hmm. people. You know, the first national bank who who financed the thing. I mean, we rebuilt the whole city block, you know, while well, it takes up five city blocks. But, and, um, and he is a naturalist, you know, and, and he likes to go up north and he goes out on the plains and a wonderful man, an incredible man, generous and fantastic. Mm-hmm. I have never had a better client. And, you know, I mean, it was a competition. Oh. And, and we were 20 finalists to begin with. And, uh, and to, to get that job, to get that job, uh, that was a hell of a job, you know. It took nine years, didn't it? Yeah, nine, nine, nine years. years, exactly. Wow. And uh, and um, I, I provided sketches. I even did little models and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was so fortunate I got the job. And then it was first. It was just t- turning a dirty parking lot into an urban park. 
and so and uh, I have then I have 58 geese taking off mm-hmm. and stuff bigger than life, larger than life. But then I thought, no, no, I want to take in more of the of the city, and then the new bank building that they were building too and stuff. So I come up with the idea of attaching some geese to traffic lights. Mm-hmm. And you know, normally a client would say, no, 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 that's enough. Or like, what the hell do you think the city's gonna say? <laughs> that's what I was you know? wondering, yeah. the yeah. complexity of yeah. if it's a client that could have it on their property versus now you're taking up yes. multiple city blocks. Exactly. Oh and, my gosh. And you know, I mean, it's most embarrassing if a bloody goose fall off the traffic oh, light a car. and hit somebody. Oh no, and so getting goosed. Cities, yeah, yeah, and the city first, they were highly doubtful, but Bruce Lauritsen had a tremendous influence on the city. His his grandpa started the first bank trading uh, gold dust and and buffalo hides and stuff, you know, and he was the main banker in Omaha, and somehow I managed to convince the city, and, and he said, okay, okay, he's... Whenever I come up with a new idea, he said, all right, you know. And so I dealt with the people that provide, that makes the traffic lights. And we, we created one that was completely in, um, enforced within with steel, but the same size and same color and everything as the other traffic lights, you know. And so we did several That's of those and street lights. And then the geese, they continue the path and they interact with modern architecture, you know, yeah. and then they fly all the way around and then they fly into the new bank building oh, in the, in the hanging the atrium. But also I wanted to play with traveling time and interacting with modern architecture. And bronze is a traditional material, but stainless steel is a modern man-made material. So gradually the geese become stainless steel. First. And I used to, so, so happens that Canada geese have white cheek patches and a white rump. And so gradually, you know, they had white cheek patches, one and then the white rump and white cheek patch. And, and eventually they're all stainless steel awesome. when they're mm. fully, fully incorporated in the city, you know, and then they hang in the bait, bank atrium. Now they're part of the city. Yeah, yeah right. exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it, that, that itself took some kind of research too, you know, and to combine the two metals. Was you know, how, had that had that been done before? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. But we had a special welder in our studio and stuff, and and uh, we managed to melt them together. How know. many? I know it's fifty-eight geese. How many bison was it in the? Nine bison. Nine. I think. Okay. Nine. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I think that's another question is um, when the process of observation, like you spend so much time observing nature and then how do you go from, how do you really go from just observing to then creating this sculpture at larger than life scale? Well, first I create a little model and it's called maquette in French. We call it maquette. And, uh, so where I can change and mess around and stuff. and Like what uh, we saw in your studio. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. Why did you do drawings too And first? I did drawings. Yeah. I start with sketches. And anatomy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and anatomy. Mm-hmm. But I know anatomy. I'm not study that. There's a taxidermist and stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And I have anatomy books if I need to look something up, you mm-hmm. know. And, of course, bison all have the same anatomy as cattle, you know. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, different uh, but uh, the same general anatomy, you know, and stuff. And um, 
And then I, I sculpt it. And then sometimes I make a working model, intermediate size. And then I work the big one. Mm -hmm. Then I do the big one. But by the time I do the big one, I know exactly what it's going to be. Mm -hmm. But even so, sometimes I change things. I, I um, Nowadays, you, you do it in foam. You spray foam. And then and carve the foam, you know, and then oh. you put then you put clay on top of that. Oh, so it, because you know a bison in the old days in solid clay. I mean, you create steel armature, and 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 try to put plaster of Paris and stuff on, and then you put clay on. But I mean, there, there is a thousands of pounds of yeah. clay. Yeah. You know? So by doing foam, it spares how much weight? It spares eighty percent of the weight. Eighty oh. percent. You wow. only need. This thick of wax, clay, you know, uh -huh, uh -huh. and it's great. But I mean, I still change the form too and carve it and take clay off. I mean, I change my mind sometimes too. Change the head this way and that way. Okay. <laughs> you know, yeah, and you can make those changes. You can. You can. I mean, it's not to be recommended, but <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. Because if you is it is that because if you start making too many changes now all of a sudden. It, it, it you could throw something off or what why would you not why is that not recommended i don't know you know it's um, yeah sometimes i mean you get i don't know you get tired of it but i, I don't know you know for one thing the when you do things for a certain spot for a certain place they have to have a certain pose. They have to look. I mean, if they're up against the wall, you don't want them to look against the wall. You want them to look <laughs> yeah, out, you know. Yeah. And then when they're running, you don't want them all lift the same Oops. leg and, and stuff. You know, they mm -hmm. have to be running. Mm -hmm. And I normally attach them to two legs when they run. But that, that takes a lot of reinforcement and stuff, you know. And I mean, it's a lot of challenges, you know. And I mean, I'm not talking just about bison. You know, I'm talking about giant fish you know mm -hmm. 30 foot sailfish and you know stuff you'll like see that. all that in the studio when they come to the studio yeah yeah uh, not not the big sailfish that took up not the, the whole studio yeah that was no, in Fort the bison. yeah there's yeah, a bison exactly, there exactly yeah, yeah. and the ma and the snow mastodons there right the yeah. mastodons yeah, still the there too there. yeah, yeah. Exactly. the pictures of you and that is it's huh. i mean the size huh. of you compared to it is just <laughs> yeah that's yeah. So that's really something yeah. I can hardly wait to see that. Yeah. It's the ultimate scale drawing or I taught math. So <laughs> I was a math teacher for oh. um, 10 years before I wow. took the role that I'm in. And so scale drawings were always part of their project that they yeah. had to do. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah. you know, you try to give them examples of why you would need to use this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a perfect example because yeah. if you don't get your measurements right when you're going from that small maquette to no. a yes. yeah. large thing, something's going to go wrong. So. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So there's one thing, and this is just us jumping around a little bit, which is fine. I I, uh, I think I heard somebody ask you about environmental impact. I know you're a conservationist and, and I'm obviously passionate about wildlife and, and a naturalist and all of that. But you made the, and this was a quote, you can tell me if this didn't come out of your mouth. Maybe you don't remember. It says, I've always believed that consciously or not, artists reflect the environment and cultural concerns of their time. Yes, absolutely. And what can, before I ask you anything else, can you expand on that a little well, bit? Well, and today, when nature has become a real concern, you know, the temper, climate change and nature, then 
to sculpt animals is to reflect nature, you know, is to celebrate nature. That's what I try to do with my work, you know, celebrate nature. And, uh, and uh, that's what I try to sell, you know. I mean, I can sculpt people. I sculpt a Jesus statue in Corpus Christi and mm -hmm. stuff. But my passion is nature, you know. And now, like I said today, it really has a message, you know. And I mean, I'm not, I'm a conservationist, but I'm not anti-hunting or anything, right. you know. I mean, I've, I used to hunt and stuff like that too. And, uh, but, you know, controlled that, you know, you don't diminish herds or anything like that, you know, just, just controlled. Part of the circle of life, yes. so yeah. to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, uh, you know, yeah. And you said there's a message, and that, that message is, what would you say? Just to celebrate nature? Celebrate nature and take care of it and take care of the environment around them because they are desperately in need of it. And, and the world would be bloody boring without nature. I love nature, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like I think that was something that I picked up on was that you because maybe somebody asked you directly if, if, if it was political activism and you said no, oh. that it was an activist, but... It, I want to show basically it, the way I interpret it is that you use the sculptures and the art to remind people of how beautiful it really is. Yes, exactly. And that's just a way to remind the rep, you know, if you walk by and notice it and go, oh, wow, you know, yeah. that, that uh, that's very cool. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you. I heard a rumor that potentially going to be a giant statue of liberty sized christ statue in the corpus christi bay Is exactly that that's correct and there was borglum the same man who called mount rushmore and um, actually uh, he came from this area i believe or, or uh, his son certainly lived here but um in the valley in the valley mm -hmm. and uh, but he came here and proposed that and it didn't happen people mm -hmm. did not Somehow they maybe didn't get the funding. Was it prior and, to Mount Rushmore? Or, yeah, prior. Yeah. It, and it prior. was prior. And oh, wow. it would have made Corpus Christi bloody famous. Yeah. Jesus walking on water. Mm -hmm. And the size, like you said, of Rio, Rio de Janeiro. Uh, and I'll tell you one question that I noticed some sculptures. I look at some of the sculptures and I go, well, that one looks like it could be about life size. Like the bison. That's like the size of a. Real bison, right? Well, it's like um, twenty five percent bigger than. Okay, so it is just bigger, a little bit. Bigger. Okay, but a little just bit. A hair, but yeah. then some of the stuff is way bigger. Yeah, yeah. Is is it just depend on the commission, or or does it depend on you when you want to make something it's a bit much of a bigger? Combination, and you know, if you want something to to make a presence, have a presence. You have to make it bigger than life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the man in the park, for example, the statue, is normally about nine foot, not six. If you put a six-foot man in, in the park, he's going to look like a dwarf because <laughs> it would be compared to, to Every trees and to architecture and everything else. So I always like to make them a little bigger. But uh, when it came to herd of bison, of course, I just made them 25% bigger. Because they're already the, pretty big, yeah. And the yeah. geese, too, I made them 25%. But... 25% bigger than in a, a giant Canadian that were existed in those days. But um, 
you know, the depends on also what, what people can afford and stuff. But I like to make them big so they have a presence, you know. Yeah. I'm the Jesus statue there, you know. Yeah. And in fact... What is it, 15 or 16 feet? About 15 foot, yeah, yeah. And, and what a great honor to be commissioned to do the namesake of your hometown, you know. I was so honored to do that. And I had a lot of fun doing it. And it was a lot of challenge too, you can imagine, you know. I mean, I had to do a lot of research of clothing and I have to have it right. And I put him in a boat. And everybody, the committee was a powerful committee. They say, what on earth do you put him in a boat for? I said, well, you know, he, he was a, played with his fishermen and he was a fisherman, mm -hmm. you know, and stuff like that. And I grew up in a fishing village. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with the boat? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then there was a snicker. A snicker. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you remember. Yes. And, uh, and how do you know what the boat looked like in Jesus' time? Well, it so happens, by sheer chance, that they, just about that time, they found a boat in the Sea of, of Gennesaret, Galilee. Yeah. Galilee. Oh. And from Jesus' time, God. And and the museum that preserved it and stuff like that, as to send me the drawings, I got the drawings. And so I, it's accurate, you know, it's- Wow. Yeah. And I love to do research like that. I love I mean, the boat. Why would, why would you not? Uh, yeah, the boat's great. Well, they call it, a lot of people call it surfing Jesus. Oh, <laughs> gosh. But make sure you walk around it and, and it, see the... it's astounding how big that foot is oh. of Jesus. And I have a sculpture that I made him do just off this sculpture is the foot of Jesus. And it was in the show, in his show. Oh, it's just wow. the foot? Just yeah. the foot with the sandal. It's like, oh, it wow. looks like a big vase, you know, yeah. and with a sandaled foot. And it's beautiful. Wow. But you don't realize how big that is. Yeah. You yeah. know, when you twice just life go, size. Yeah. yeah. More than twice. Oh, yeah. twice. So um, we talked about how most of the time you get the opportunity to observe you know, you get to see the, the animals in nature, but then you have certain instances where you can't observe, like Jesus, you couldn't, no. you didn't get to meet him no. in person, right? Or um, the raptors. I think oh, that's yeah. a story or that's an interesting piece to maybe describe yes. a little bit about. So Yes, indeed. Uh, the raptors was for Philadelphia Academy of Sciences. And I made them larger in life too. But I actually worked with the guy who discovered them, the man who discovered them. And uh, of course he didn't name them raptors. He named them Deinonychus, mm -hmm. Antiropus, which means terrible claw, counterbalanced. Mm -hmm. and, but I brought my maquette and traveled back and forth to his university and studied them. And also we looked at every bone and muscle attachments and everything, you know. And I think that was a pretty accurate reconstruction. And then when Jurassic Park happened, uh, the, the animator of Jurassic Park was a friend of mine, an artist, and he asked if he could borrow my drawings, you know, so I sent him my drawings. And then when people see mine now, you know, they say, oh, it looks like you got it from <laughs> Jurassic Park. <laughs> You know, so a little bit the, reverse there. You know, yeah. No, but it's fine. I'm very proud. He's a great guy. And you know. so, where if you 
you spoke with him and he would describe to you uh, what he would notice from the bones or did you have to observe animals the that... He saw the bones. We yeah. looked at the bones. Okay, mm-hmm. so you looked at the bones. the bones. and looked at the muscle attachments, uh-huh. you know, and, and they have a relationship with birds, distant relationship, but still... And, you know, we discussed anatomy and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and in the end, of course, I brought him the maquette, you know, mm-hmm. the total sculpture, and, when, and changed it mm-hmm. to his approval. Each time he'd look at it and say, yeah. oh, I think this isn't, yeah. this could be a little bit changed yeah. to represent more. His okay. name was Dr. Ostrom. Mm-hmm. And he was a great guy, you know. Yeah, wow. And, um, yeah, and, and I wanted to honor him, too. So... Um, he named it terrible claw counterbalance. So they're actually running down a claw shape that it counterbalanced on a granite column. Oh. And when we dedicated it, you know, I mentioned that. And he got tears in his eyes because uh. he never got recognition by Jurassic Park, you know, and stuff yeah. like mm. that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's a yeah. great guy. A funny story about that. Uh, <laughs> when they were being transported from Loveland to Philadelphia <laughs> on a flatbed truck, that, you know, monument was on, on the back. Mm. And back in those days, they were using the, what was it, this radio? Radio, you know. To CB radio. CB. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the truckers kind of talked to each other and they stuff talk like all that. The time, yeah. you know, on the And road. he told us after, you know, they... <laughs> Uh, got there and all that and it says there was this one thing came over and it said uh, a truck was going the other direction and he was CBing to a friend of his or something said did you see those screwing lizards going by (laughs) 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 because they are yeah yeah, yeah. and suddenly it was tilted forward oh gosh it didn't was upright so it tilted forward so it looks like they were on top of each other (laughs) well everybody's interpretation of art is different so if I uh, God I'd like to do another version of that of the screwing lizards (laughs) you know what a trucker's mind was yeah (laughs) He probably woke him up if he was driving from cross yeah, country. Yeah, yeah. Right? Oh he had a vision. <laughs> and he was a very good Next friend of mine. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's a great guy. Oh, that would yeah, I could see that moment alive in a movie. Make for a funny that scene. Was so yeah. funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there was something that uh, when we went to dinner the last time, the new seahorses in Rockport. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Did I, if I remember right? Did you rename that or did you name that? Oh, I named it. You named it. Well, no. Well, no. It I was had it maritime romance, but marine. Yeah. Marie Marine. You know, oh, obviously. gotcha. Okay. M-A-R-I. Okay. Uh, okay. And yeah. then she renamed it Maritime. M-E. Maritime. Yeah. M-E-R-R-Y. In two words. Two words. Okay. Yeah. M-E-E-R-Y and then time. time. Okay. So. And I Great was kind success. of upset about that. Great success. Bloody <laughs> hell. But, but oh, everybody, you loved, everybody loved it. And, and we sold them out virtually, you know. Oh, shoot. People loved that title. Mm-hmm. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so then it, the question there is how, and I, I think I might already know the answer, but how, how much uh, influence then we can get both perspectives, but do you try, like when, when he finishes something or when he's working on something and you walk in, is there some kind of 
we need a nod of approval or is there some like or I would like to know this because this is a and, interesting and, case and at for what us. point do you ask for the feedback from yeah. her or does it don't come in here I'm not you know how does this work <laughs> I don't do a whole lot I don't ask for feedback <laughs> well you, no but aside from that you come in you <laughs> come in and and not too much, but no, some. No, but some. I'll look it over. Yeah. And, and I may have a suggestion, you know, yeah, so well, maybe yeah. it would be better, you know, blah, blah. And okay, but occasionally you said that's not. It's not going to sell. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so she is the salesperson. <laughs> so, well, that's that's a really great question because I, I, this happens all the time. I make a video or if I'm making a movie or whatever it could be, I show her and I'll, often I'll show her too early and I'm not asking for feedback either really, but I secretly want her to go, I love it. Oh, Great yeah. job. Me too. Me too. <laughs> and I almost never get oh, that. No, neither do I. <laughs> oh, now you're lying. Now you're lying. You're going to pay for that one. But no, I usually, no. If I like it, I say so. Yeah. yeah. But if and you don't like it. Like the last it, thing you did with, with the mockingbird and yeah. stuff, I really like mm -hmm. it. You know, but and you I don't. said it wasn't important enough. Remember, you said that's not important enough it for, been bigger. for a catalog, catalog piece. For pre the West. Oh no, stuff. no, it's not a main piece. It I don't consider it, it is my main piece. Well, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. But you know. Yeah. Well, when so when you say it's not going to sell, that doesn't mean you don't. That's not your way of saying I don't like it. I like it fine, no, but it's no, not going to sell. No, I'm thinking what, market. So mm -hmm. what 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 makes for something that's going to sell? You can't. That's can't hard. That. No, no. Uh, you know well, it when you see it. I'm a shopper. So you kind of know what's in right now, what's going to go and all that. Although, you know, he wouldn't be doing dinosaurs if that's how we thought, we thought about the artwork. He does what he wants to do. Yeah, you I know. do what I want to do. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I don't, she and does not influence me no. with, with selling, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, in, but, I mean, little details sometimes, what kind of base. Can make mm -hmm. a big difference. You know, yeah. and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And, but, uh, you know, and I have done a lot of pieces that don't sell, mm -hmm. but I did them for myself, you know. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, the, the Donner Pass, for example. Yeah, yeah. You know. That, yeah. Yeah. And that was from a story that I read. Yeah. You know, I, I told you about I it about and then it you too. made it. Yeah. And it's a very the nice Donner piece. Party. The oh, the Donner, Donner Party. Donner Party. Yeah. They, 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 they ate each other. Yes. yes. Well, not as much as what the book said. It's not. It's not as big. They blow that out of proportion. No. Yeah. Do you see everything in sculptures? Huh? Like, is everything in life look like a sculpture? Look like something you could sculpt? You know, probably subconsciously, not directly. You know. Well, but, you always tell me I look like Venus. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's why I want you to be undressed. <laughs> no, but uh, the Donner Party. Yeah, yeah the Donner you know Party. the Donner Party. I know the story, story and, yeah. and I think I may have gotten. I didn't read the book, but there's, I've, I've there's seen documentaries. Quite a few books yeah, yeah, about it. And, you know, and, and I know that's always the. I know they 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 went a little too far into the Sierras, right? With and they. They when they were actually war, war, uh, uh, warned yes. about what yes. weather got, might be coming, but, they got, but the they leader got snowed in. They yeah. got snowed in. But yeah. one man walked out. Yeah. And um, and uh, took a uh, few people with him. Mm -hmm. His his wife and his wife's sister, I think it was. Mm -hmm. 
and then walked out and, and saved him. And then he walked back himself and yeah. he died there. So I did a sculpture after I read it. I was so moved by it. I yeah. did a sculpture of him and the two ladies together, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. And for fear we shall perish, I call hmm. it. Yeah. That didn't sell. It did not. <laughs> no, no. Not a whole lot, no. no. And uh, did, did people not know the story? Probably not uh, that too. They I, probably, thought, I thought it was too brutal, probably. Uh, you know? I don't um, know because it's not it's not a brutal sculpture no, or anything. No, but if you think of the Donner Party, I don't know. Do yeah. you think that a lot of, I mean, I, I wonder how many people know the Donner Party. Well, there's been yeah. films about it, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and stuff, mm-hmm. and books, I've read books about sure. that. Yeah, and, uh, I think the book, one book is called For Fear We Shall Perish. Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and another one is Winter Harvest. Yeah, oh, I, I think I think perfect. I didn't read that, but I, uh, I that's I'd what seen, I like best. And I think was there was a, a documentary Harvest. piece that had a reference to that same yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, uh huh. Um, so so at, at any rate, you did you know that that wasn't going to sell? No, I I had no idea, okay. and basically. Uh, that type of things, I think, is more accepted in Europe than it is here. Mm. Americans have a different, they want more fun, color, mm-hmm. you know, pleasant. Is that, mm-hmm. okay, does that, does that explain maybe why the title or the, the naming of the seahorses might have worked? Were they oh, able- definitely. <laughs> I sold that piece. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so going to pieces, and then I think I might have my top three pretty soon. Well, okay, yeah. she's got her top is, three, um, she thinks. But before we go there, I'm really curious to hear from both of you. Um, if you had to choose a favorite piece oh yes could you choose it and what is it and why yeah well there's several but sometimes it changes you know maybe as of today where you are what would be a favorite piece my favorite one is the portrait i did of her yeah he did my portrait it's in the room next door here okay She wears a crown. <laughs> and I put a crown on it. <laughs> and I wear a crown. Yeah, you can, you for, can see it in a minute. So, for, yeah. for years, you know, for a long time, on and off and on and off. I couldn't get it right, you know. I mean, mm. like, I've done lots of portraits of people, but how do I how do I express her, you know? How do I express my love for her? Mm-hmm. And how do I make it as beautiful as she are? And, you know, I mean, it's not easy. Yeah. It's more scary because it's too close. Yes. Yeah. You know. And then Ooh. what if she get mad at me? You know, and what if she <laughs> doesn't like it? Then bloody hell. Mm-hmm. But in the end, <laughs> in the end, it worked out good. You know, yeah. I think mm-hmm. she likes it. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. But, yeah, what do I usually think is my favorite? I mean, I... The one that sells the best. No, <laughs> no, you know, I'm... No, that's that's not it. There's pieces, like I like the baboon on the rock. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. that's an old piece. Yeah, that's one I did in Africa. In Africa. Already. You know, I really like that well, one. Well, was there one that made you decide, hey, I want to go, I, I, I'll help... Because I think I read in the book that you saw pretty quickly that clerical stuff and typing and business stuff, that wasn't his thing. That you realized you <laughs> yeah, could help. I saw that you realized you could help with that. <laughs> yeah. Was there a piece of art that you said, we could turn this into a business if I can help him with this piece and let him focus on the creative thing? What piece do you mean? I or, mean or did you just say in general, 
I, I mm. see no, at, at first I, I didn't mix because you were doing a leopard or something when we met. Yeah. Going okay. down. No, cougar. No, cougar, no, cougar. cougar. Big, by the stream type thing. Yeah, stream, that's yeah. what you were working on then. And yeah. uh, basically I liked everything he did. Okay, mm -hmm. so you, were, you, you, know. you believed in it early. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's good. Absolutely. If, and if uh, she hadn't, she wouldn't have the, said it. Because she was talking <laughs> to That's one of my favorites. <laughs> that's one of my favorites, too, the giraffe mother. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, so it's not one of the ones, it's not going to be the... The thirty-six foot sailfish, yeah. uh, sailfish, or the uh, oh, oh, the spirit of Nebraska. I was wondering if it was going to be one of these massive pieces, but you've got. Well, there is. I have to think now. I would have to think about it because sometimes I think about it, and sometimes yeah, I don't. Some and, days it's yeah, some days it's one piece, yeah. and some days it's the other. I'll show you the one that I think it, that is my favorite piece. Ah. It is this oh, one. Requiem. Oh, Requiem. Yes. Oh, yeah, Requiem. That is one of yeah. my favorite yeah. pieces, And I love too. the story. I mean, I read the yeah, caption in Requiem there. Requiem for Prince William Sound. Yeah. Yes, I and, just... and I sculpted that while music was playing. It just flowed mm -hmm. to my hands. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know if it says it there, but, mm -hmm. you know, the, the... it was Mozart's Requiem. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, that yeah. happened to play on public radio, yes. you know, and it just flowed. Yeah. I was busy sculpting an eagle, actually a maquette for for a monumental eagle, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden I, I, I just love that. Yeah, you know? I think and, it's so beautiful. And that piece has sold or traded with artist friends. My artist friends love it. I sold one to an artist friend. And I traded for paintings or something, you know. But the public are not that excited about it. Mm. You know? Oh, yeah. Well, well like they're said, moved by it, well, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. Tina Close, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. Uh, what's her sister's name? Close. Famous actress. The actress. Oh, Glenn Close. Glenn Close. Glenn Close. Yes. Glenn Glenn Close. Close. Sister. Her she, sister was very good friends with her. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And uh, she, she was at the she show. One. Yeah. yeah, she yeah. was at the show. So beautiful. And I, I found her standing there and the tears were running oh, down mm -hmm. her face, wow. mm -hmm. you know. And that's actually how we got to meet Tina because yeah. she was yeah. so moved by the piece she was so mm -hmm. moved and then she wanted yeah. to buy it yeah. know, so. it's beautiful Whoa. so that's my favorite one. Oh, that's fan, you have taste man <laughs> <laughs> fantastic <laughs> <laughs> I love the bison I love the bison running through a wall I, I oh, mean yeah. I just yeah. I, yeah. I, and then to and I, I didn't need I, I when I first saw it I didn't need to know what anything behind it was I just thought it was so cool Oh, wow. But then oh. when I hear, oh, it's the spirit of them, they're running yeah. through the walls because that, you know, now, now I even like it more. They were there first. They were there first, right, yeah. right, yeah. right. Mm -hmm. um, oh. Well, I, I do have, before you do your top three, okay. I, there was one thing, and there was one thing you said you wanted to talk about, and, I, and it's interesting because uh, being a f filmmaker in – Austin, Texas, and and having traveled to California to be an actor and being around a lot of artists my age, um, there are some definite. Uh, I've heard plenty of negative things about the country we live in, as far as it, you name it. There's a long list of things, right? But but artists, fellow artists. They get down on our country and they and I hear them talk. I've heard them talk about wanting to move to other places where they believe it's, it would be better, be easier, be this or that. And they should. Y y and 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 mm 
And it, they could be, it could be right for them. It could, I wouldn't, I would never say that, but your experience has been different and you said you wanted to talk about it. So I wanted to make sure you got the chance. Yeah. I love America. I'm the most crazy American you've ever find. You know, uh, I'm a, basically I came to America to, and I got to live my dream. You know, I mean, I used to say I scoffed even if it was illegal, you know, and I can make a living doing it. But also, Americans are so open and friendly compared to Europeans, so certainly the Swedes. And, you know, I mean, they're, they're easygoing in many places, especially in Texas. You know, I'm on my walk around here, you know, I walk every night and there's people I've never seen. Hello, and you know, and I love that. And, and you know, the country is so big that you, can, you have opportunity to live anywhere by the sea, in the mountains, wherever, you know, big cities, medium, I mean, anything, you know. America, you have the opportunity here. And I, I taught my two boys to kiss the ground when we wake up, you know. I'm the most loving American you ever find. And I don't understand at all how people, I think it's lack of experience. Yeah. I mean, I've lived in Africa, I lived all over Europe, you know, and, and stuff. And Travel is important. Yeah, exactly. And nothing is like America, of course not, you know. Mm -hmm. And every country has these problems too. I mean, so does yeah. Europe and stuff. I mean, it's it's nothing new with that. Yeah, but no that's perfect not place. to America. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's just the way people are, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, no, no, I'm sold. Mm -hmm. <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Miss Top Three. Okay. What have you got? What would if you had to take away three things from this long I great take conversation? Away many would more you? than I've taken away many more than three things, but I'll try to um, highlight three that really stuck with me. So, the first one was early on in our conversation, and when I share a top three, I invite you guys to if it stuck with you the same way, or if there's more that you want to add, please please do so. But the first was this idea of partnerships. We talked about that early on, and it was find a partner that can make up for what you're not good at, right? Can you find somebody that can help you improve or that can help you be in a place where you can be your best? You can be your best sculptor because you have a partner that can take care of the other things so you don't have to get get yeah, clouded by I'm that. Yeah, good at, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> that, that's, that's the whole key, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, apart from the fact that I kind of like her, <laughs> and a partner that you like, I guess I should say yeah, that too, but, right? But, you know, the, the thing is, yeah, that she took care of all the stuff, mm -hmm. you know, and she is really thorough with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's boom, 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 you know, mm -hmm. and she mm -hmm. goes to me too. Oh, you do this, you do this, you do that, uh -huh. you know, and, uh, and I finally learned to say, yes, madam. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to start using that phrase. It seems yeah. to work. Yeah. Well, and, and I think for anybody listening, whether that is a, in, in our cases, we lucked out and that happens to be our spouse yeah. that we yeah. get to yeah. work with. But it might be if you're an artist, somebody else that's a creative as you well. You need to that find can, that person yeah. or those people. Yeah. That can yeah. make up for the things that you can the, balance each and, other. And yeah. they give you time mm -hmm. to work. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I, I can... You know, when I did the big pieces and stuff, I work until 2 a.m. in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I get up, get up and uh, sleep for a few hours and get back to work. Mm -hmm. I mean, I work, you know, 15 hours a, a day at least, you know. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, I couldn't have done it without somebody taking care of 
the business side, you know, yeah. taking care of everything and taking care of the kids too, you know. All the other yeah. things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one that I heard was just a through line about nature. And so um, what I heard was that nature is so wonderful because it can nurture your soul. And most importantly, um, it's really on us just as citizens, right, of um, of where we live to celebrate nature and just take care of it. Yeah. So that was the second theme that I heard. Yeah, exactly. And I couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. And whether it's the ocean, the beach, the mountains, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and I love both. And we lived in Denver, you know, and, the, and I still mm-hmm. go back and forth to Denver. Or in fact, I'm leaving Wednesday to go back, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff like that. But I love the ocean, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to tell you, when we came to Corpus Christi the first time, uh, it was sheer chance. I had a show in Oklahoma City, Cabo Hall of Fame, and we decided to drive down and take a look because I heard that Texas actually had the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> and as we drive over the Harbor Bridge, mm-hmm. and here's the smiling bay, mm-hmm. my heart just went boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. You know, because I missed the sea. I've been in Denver so for several years and stuff. And we drove around and we drove out to the island here. And it wasn't that much built up then. It's mm-hmm. 44, going 45 years ago now. And But here was a house for sale. This very house, mm-hmm. you know, with a dock and a canal, could have a boat and everything. And we called the realtor's n- number. And he was a real clever man. He came and he asked, what do you do? I'm an artist. Oh, yeah, it's got a studio with it. Oh, Oh yeah, it was a granny. It was flat. already there. It was a, no, it was a granny oh. flat on top of the garage, oh. and we added the studio. But but you know, we thought, yeah, yeah, the granny flat. It had a skylight. Perfect. You know, well, sort of. You know, and then we signed on the dotted line. But mm. there really kicked in her power again. <laughs> in that, you know, I was willing to pay whatever they wanted. You know, and they they had they had um, you know asking price. And she reduced it. <laughs> and I said, God damn, come on. Ow. Why? Well, why do you do that? I mean, it's our life, you know, and stuff. And of course, she was right, because they accepted it. <laughs> but we drove back. And then to, he's thanking you. Yeah. We've only been here for a few hours, you know, and we drove back to Denver wondering what the hell have we done. <laughs> yeah. And it's the best thing we ever did. It's a perfect place to raise yeah. two boys. Mm-hmm. And you they, said you call this home and Denver's where you work. Is that is that the way that we have a home there too? Right, you know, there too. right. Yeah. No, this but is the way your mind looks mine at is it. Here. Yeah, my home's here. Yeah. This is my home. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Denver is my workplace, mm-hmm. and I don't socialize much there. I'm just isolating in the studio. Working. Really, you know. It really is yeah. sparkling city by the sea. Yes, yeah, it it's really yes. beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's sparkling. but you know, I mean, I drive but up in the mountains. Busy mucking it up, I think. Mm-hmm. The Rocky yeah. Mountain Park is great. Yes, you know, I drive up there from time to time. It's great too. I have the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. You sure do. Yeah, <laughs> but, I'd say. <laughs> um, yeah. So the last one, actually, I scratched out the other one I had after the last conversation. I added this one. I think it's really important um and it is this idea of love where you live and it will love you in return uh because you said how much you love america i will say 
the more, um, the older that Matthew and I get, uh, we realize how much we love Flower Bluff and Corpus. And yeah. um, we live in Austin, we work there, and um, it's, a, it's a matter of connection for creativity and art. But the more we love it here, the more it gives us in return and the more opportunity we get. And it sounds like that's the same for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt. And, and then, you know, from America, I could reach out, you know. Mm-hmm. I've done monuments since I lived here in Cape Town, mm-hmm. you know, in, in uh, Austria, no, mm-hmm. in, um, in Europe Luxembourg, mm-hmm. in Europe, Luxembourg, mm-hmm. in yeah. Sweden, mm-hmm. in Denmark, mm-hmm. you know, big monuments. And... Um, because I, I could do it here, you know, and, and uh, I have, haven't done it here. I had a background so I could sell people on it too, yeah. you know. I mean, America gave me everything. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there was one other thing I would add maybe. Okay. <laughs> well, it's, it, yeah, I think just, um, you know, if, if you're, if you're told at a time when you're a kid and you don't know what's going on, if you're told that you can't do something, you can't make a living the way you want to make a living, but you somehow find a way to stick with it or hang in there, or remain steadfast. That seems like a pretty big mm-hmm. takeaway. Yeah. Keep at it. And you know, my dad, he did have a saying, my dad really believed in himself and his stuff. I mean, he was a musician you know, and yes, but yeah, and he was a plein air painter. That's his painting. We have several of them and stuff. But um, and you know, and he was just working man, you know, and uh, and painting, and also worked as a crane operator and everything. But my dad always told me this: what you believe in, you can do. He told me that all the time. I see. Och du tror på du kan göra. Och and and I I somehow picked up on that. You know because I'm in here I'm off to Africa, didn't know a bloody thing. You know or off to Europe to Germany to go, uh, and and take an exam in Germany without learning German and you know. Yeah, and, you had uh, a little bit. Huh? You had a little bit in oh, school. Oh yeah, in yeah. high school yeah, we learned yeah. German in high school, but still you know enough to take exams and stuff. My dad, I I thank him for that. Because he he said that you know, yeah. yeah that that would echo. If you got somebody that you respect that says something like that, that's important yeah. too. Because mm-hmm. it is yeah. funny along the way, you're gonna have people tell you things that aren't necessarily true, but you might be inclined to believe them. Like you're never gonna make a living making realist art, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And but if you had the right things said to you before that by somebody as important as a dad, yeah. that, you know. That that'll that'll work its way back into yeah. your mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and his mom was a good artist too. Yes. She was a textile artist, yeah. but she, she we have a weaving did painting drawings. From her. Yeah, did drawings too. And, and she sculpted my right hand when I was a baby. Yeah. I saw that picture, and I have yeah. that yeah. in Colorado and in yeah. my bedroom yeah. there. Yeah. And I look at it, and she took me to sculpture classes sometimes. You know, so she that's probably when I started playing with clay. Da, 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 you know, <laughs> and I never grew up. I still play with clay. Well, that one is right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Kent and Birla, thank you all so much for taking the time. I know we sat for, well, 
two hours. Oh, God. No, it Almost. doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> no. Yeah. You, so you got thank anything you. else? Thank you. Thank you so much for um, sharing your stories with us mm. and uh, making oh. episode 46 so special. So oh. happy 46. Happy 46. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank thank you, you. <laughs> and, you know, I, I just want to say that I am bloody grateful for this woman, <laughs> even though she whips me from time to time. <laughs> But no, I, I, I love her. I'm, I'm really grateful. Well, thank you so much, both oh, thank of you. you. Thank you. Thank you.